Well, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Building a Life and Business You Love. Is that the... Together. Together. <laughs> take We didn't even take last week off, did we? We were here last week. No, what? I don't think we were. It didn't work until Wednesday, and we were. you wanted to Is go do that something. that why? Yes. And then um, you said, we'll do it on Thursday, and Thursday came and went, and... All right, so let's try this again. Welcome back to another episode of Building a Life and Business Together podcast. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft. I'm Stephanie Ravenscraft. And we're back. We are. <laughs> uh, you take a week off, you forget the name of the podcast, or I should say I. Take I'm not a week sure off we ever. <laughs> there are times when I got it. It rolls right off. Yeah, and no, there are sometimes it just it gets stuck it's inside. It's a lot of words. It's a lot of words. Anyway, Stephanie, you and I had a little bit of a business lunch this week talking about some things that we want to do moving forward. And one of the things that we did was outline some of the topics we might discuss in this particular podcast episode. Uh, The first thing I have here is Stephanie has something she wants to add to her mountaintop experience. So if you haven't listened to episode number nine, uh, what Stephanie is about ready to add here right now has to do with what she shared in the previous episode, episode number nine, titled Stephanie's Mountaintop Experience. All right, what did you want to add? I love how dramatic you make this. I love to make, (laughs) I like to make things dramatic. It's Uh, it's like very important information I'm sharing. This is life or death stuff here. I did know that about you. (laughs) I, I, I did. So, um, I mean, I think obviously based on the things that I've talked about through my healing process, you could, are you done? I'm done. He's moving my microphone. Um, you messed with my groove. I am so sorry. I just heard a couple popped peas, little plosive Maybe sound I there. Maybe I was popping them on purpose. <laughs> Were you popping your peas on purpose, babe? Possibly. <laughs> That's profoundly perfect. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> so I think that that based on what I've been sharing about my healing process, that you could make assumptions that a lot of my trauma came from from dealings with from from my relationship or lack thereof with my mom, and. While I've never gone into the the story of of my life experience with that, I have shared about my my past sexual abuse, and so some of that is ha- has to do with not her partner, but her relation in it, like um, how she how she, how she responded, yeah, to how the she situation. responded to it, how um how things played out, and. And so while I, I've never gone into a lot of details, I have talked in my healing process about things that would lead you to believe that that a lot of trauma is due to my mom, right? Anyway. Yes. So I know I shared that that the the session during the captivating retreat was mother, sisters, daughters, and that that had a profound healing effect on me. And so, and I shared that in episode nine. 
And I was so focused on sharing the healing and just the cleansing and, and, and the washing of my spirit that that did. I forgot to share one of the most profound, not the one, the most profound lesson I believe I've ever learned in my life. And it's affected every relationship that I have from that day forward. And what's this lesson? And that lesson was, the words spoken to me were, you don't know your mother's story. You only know how her story affects yours or how she affects yours, okay? I took those words quite literally and placed them on every relationship in my life. I don't know everyone's story. I only know the part that they're playing in mine and how I choose to enact with them, react to them, or their actions, that's on me, not on them and their story. And and so, like I know you have said to me before that that you admire, one of the things that you admire about me is is my ability to see a bigger picture. So we're on the expressway and the car um, in front of you is driving too slow. And I might get a little- And you might- Impatient. Yes. And and so I said, maybe they're driving their newborn home for the first time, or maybe they are this. And I can come up with a hundred different scenarios on why they're driving slow. Or driving appropriate for their situation. Or, exactly. And what slow in your, exactly. in your estimation. Yeah. And, um, and that, that spurs from the, I only know how someone's a story or how someone affects my story. I don't know their whole story and I don't have to, to be in relationship and to be kind and to be interactive and to be, so that, that's one of the, that's the thing that I forgot to, to share because I got so caught up in the sharing my healing and sharing my, my cleansing that I really, it just, and then I was laying in bed one night and I'm like, I can't believe I didn't share that. Like that changed my life. Yeah. In a profound way. And I know that you've shared that with me in the past. And sometimes we joke about how you'll tell, talk and tell stories and tell things and details and, and stuff like that. And, and, and later I'll ask you a question that obviously demonstrates that maybe I wasn't listening, listening to everything. You weren't listening at all. <laughs> and you know fair enough that it's it, it's a fair criticism of of sometimes in the past i and i may be guilty of it from time to time now that i'm not fully actively listening and it's something that i am intentionally working to become more aware of and better at and in certain scenarios and situations when i'm in a coaching conversation i'm i'm like i'm laser focused you know, I, I bring out things that people say and they're like, I didn't say that. And I said, I got the transcript live happening right now. Let me read this back to you. <laughs> you said it. Um, but anyway, the, the, that statement, I don't know their story. I don't know their full story. I only know how their story, how their story impacts mine or how they impact my story. And this is one of the ways that I accepted and and came to grips after my dad's passing with my strained relationship with him. I really wish I would have had the opportunity prior to his death 
to experience the processing of that statement. And I think you had this experience before my dad passed, and and it just did not occur to me yet. Uh, th- there was a lot of blockages in my own mind, that, and and a lot of things. You weren't ready. I, I just wasn't ready to 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 deal with it yet. But after his death, I there was I carried around a lot of guilt and a lot of shame for how much I avoided him because of how much I I just was triggered by my biological dad so much about the the things he did the things he said and and looking back there's certainly some things that he did or said that that (laughs) it's reasonable for somebody like me to have the reaction that i did to him but i also realized that i was emotionally sensitive Meaning that, in a way, I was a bit frail. My my worldview was so was so that I needed, ju- you know, the foundation was on 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 sand instead of on a solid ground, and anything that my dad said could just bring my entire house of cards, which is my worldview, crumbling to the ground. And back then, you know, I was still very much ministry-minded in in the traditional sense of how can I be of this and that and love and light and all this other stuff. And and it's great for the 10 months out of the year I ignore that my dad exists, but then there's those two months right around Thanksgiving to Christmas that, that all of a sudden, hmm, maybe I should go see him and then all of this. And I go two months with full-on depression and all this other stuff. I, that, was, that was a cycle for me. But what happened is that statement, I don't know his full story. I only know how what he does and how his story impacts my own. That was what brought about the healing process with my dad, that all of a sudden I began to ask myself, gosh, if I were born to the same, to the same parents at the same time in the same environment, that my dad was born with the same family situations, the same peer group growing up, the same, I don't know, bullies in his life that I may or may not, I, actually, well, I, I don't know about, but if he had bullies, if he had bullies, uh, what kind of mean, nasty things did people in authority speak to him as a child? What kind of things did his mom and dad ever say to him that were you know, just either taken out of context or maybe even within context? Uh, the I know that one thing I do know is that my dad's parents passed away before when he was you know as a teenager or something like okay. that. Um, but I the, I never met they, they were passed before I was born. But I know that he was raised by my great aunt, and I know that his brother had schizophrenia. There's so many things about if I if I had every situation presented exactly the way his situation was is it possible that i might have chosen all the same things that he chose in his life and when i realized that i'm like wow he is really the product of his environment and the and and his processing and the things that he had acquired in the earliest years of his life that made up his worldview about what he thinks and believes about the world. And 
if that's the case, then it, it, I mean, it, not to say that he's the victim of his circumstances, but he's the product of all of his experiences Mm -hmm. and how he chose to react to them. And I certainly have, looking back, reacted to circumstances in my life in ways that what, with what I know today, I would choose something completely different. But I can't change that past. I can only learn and grow from it and, and stuff like that. But it sure, certainly gave me a much greater understanding of my dad. It's not to say that the things that he chose and the things that he did are excusable or that they were not. Uh, I mean, he did some pretty terrible things. Uh, my my biological dad was a drug addict and an alcoholic his entire life, or at least, I'm sorry, for my entire life from the time I was born until the time he died. But but the thing is, is that what I realized is that as a kid, I found myself unconditionally in love with my dad. I never saw the negative. Mm-hmm. I heard about the negative um, from my mom, who had divorced my dad when I, I, when I was a little toddler. But um, I heard about the negative from my dad. But as a kid, I never saw anything negative in my dad. I only saw the love. I only, I, I always loved being around him. It, okay, I was. There were some experiences that I had as a kid that only today do I realize I repressed those memories, not suppressed, but repressed, meaning that I, I forced myself to, not mm-hmm. to remember them. There, but there. What I, what I do know is that as a young adult. I began to see, you know, my dad wanted to spend a lot of time with me and all of a sudden I really cared about what my friends, my friend group thought about me and my experiences and all this other things. And um, I, I began to distance myself from my dad because I didn't like to be, I didn't like my dad to be around when my friends were around because of some of the things he said or did and how he behaved and, and stuff like that. And to be able to um, justify my distancing of him, I began to start keeping score of all of the terrible things he did. And, and, and through my young adulthood, even until the time when he, when he passed, there's plenty of things that he did that were good. But... It wasn't until after he died, I, I, I found just like I suppressed and repressed the bad stuff when I was a kid, in my young adulthood and until the time he died in 2015, I actually found myself suppressing all of the good mm-hmm. and only making a, a case for the, for the negative. And because of that, and I, I, I consciously knew that I was doing this, um, and I, I saw it as a way as pr- of protecting myself. And I made a case for why it was necessary and appropriate. But when he died, the floodgates of guilt and shame was quite overwhelming. But be- it was it's that statement. I don't know his full story. I only know how his story impacted my own. That began a process where God was working with me to start, number one, going back and recognizing some of the terrible things that did happen to me as a kid 
and seeing it through the filter of, listen, my dad always did the best that he could with what he had to work with. He loved me in spite of the things, the dangerous situations and and stuff like that. But then um, God began to help me to see all of the quote-unquote scorecard of the bad things that happen. He began to help me see those through the filter of maybe you shouldn't be so quick to judge Perhaps if you had everything he had to deal with, you could, you might have said, God even basically put me in a situation where it's like, do you see where you might make this decision as well? I'm like, yeah, that's within me. It's like, yeah. And so don't judge him because that's within that, that potential is within you as your well, yourself as well. Today, I'm, I've, I've learned this is called doing shadow work in some circles and, and healing that inner child. And so I began to go through that process, and also God began to show me all of the things where my dad genuinely tried to break the cycle of his own past over and over again. When he actually reached out in during a time of a nervous breakdown, when he he he, bought, he broke down in tears, and he says, "Listen, I know I haven't been a great dad, and I know that you think this way about me, but I just want you to know that I love you, and I've always been proud of you, and all this other stuff." And I, when he did that. I just froze. I, I, I'm like, listen, this doesn't fit my narrative of how I'm going to protect myself from ever wanting to be with you. And so I'm not hearing this right now. Um, and so I don't think that I, I, I said, it's okay, dad. It, it might've been the way that I handled mm-hmm. it. But I really received that in the process of dealing with this as God began to work with me. And it was probably about a six months to a year, maybe even longer, I don't know. It, I don't know about you, but sometimes time in the past gets just really fuzzy. It does, especially recently. Yeah. Things that I think were like three years ago were actually like five years ago because we basically lost two years. <laughs> oh, well, that's true. <laughs> so so anyway, all of that to say this, that, that I today... I have completely revised my understanding of my relationship with my biological dad. And I see him for the incredibly loving father that he was. And I also recognize clearly the faults that he had and the inappropriate things that he chose to do that are good for me to have experienced because I know that I don't want to experience those as being a father. And, and trust me, there have been throughout my parenting I I see places where I've shown up for my kids the way that devastated me growing up. And so, yeah, it, it, I, yeah, I I don't know his full story. And and of course, you know, I, I I there's there's never I didn't know this back then to learn more about his story. Right. But just to recognize we all have our own story is a powerful thing and I'm th- thrilled that you brought that up here. Yeah, that I was I was laying in bed one night and I was I can't believe I didn't get to that part. I I that's got I've got to share that. That's what. Awesome. That's a that's a good thing. We could we could stop this podcast episode right here. That that that's that's, that's valuable what, enough, right? I'm there. I'm telling you, it's the most profound lesson I've ever learned. Sweet. All right. So Stephanie, I was. On Clubhouse. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Would have never imagined. <laughs> and I was hanging out with a group of new friends that I met not too long ago. And somebody recommended I read this book called 
The Alchemist. Yeah. Have you ever heard of The Alchemist? Um, that's an unfair question. Why? Because you told me all about it when you started reading the book at lunch, but before then, I don't know that I have. Okay. So, this book has been around for quite some time. It's sold many millions of copies, and I may have heard the name The Alchemist before, but it's by Paulo Coelho, and the story is of a little boy from a Spanish town of Andalusia, I think. Uh, or a Spanish-speaking country, uh, and he's from Andalusia. He, his parents are farmers, and, and he comes from a farming family. They're not very wealthy. They work night and day to make ends meet. And this boy, from the time he was a kid, has one dream and one dream only, to travel and see the world, to visit other places and see how other people live. That's his, that's his biggest mm-hmm. dream. But um, he knew he didn't want to be a farmer. And his father and his mother had saved all of this money so that he could go to seminary and make his family proud by becoming a priest because that would bring honor and 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 whatever to the family. What's you got a smile on your face. That just makes me think of Mulan. You bring honor to us all. That's, yes. That's the song. Yep. So, and and that's the kind of thing. It's like, listen, his his future was pretty much being prepared by his. You know, mm-hmm. he was being conditioned to see the world in a certain way, and this is what we have worked night and day. We have, to provide if for you. Kn- if you only knew how hard we had to work to make this possible for you. And he did end up going to seminary for a while, but he finally came home and said, listen, I, this is not what I want. And he's like, what do you want? I, I, he says, I want to travel. I want to be a traveler. What are you laughing about now? High school musical. This is not what I want. This is not what I plan. <laughs> <laughs> I just got to say. <laughs> so the sorry, I could find a song for almost everything you I, share. I'm sorry. pretty sure I'm, you can. I think I'm in a mood. Go. Well, I love it when you're in a mood. It is. It's these are fun moods when you get in these. Yeah. I, whenever I see you smiling as I'm talking, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Usually means I'm not listening. <laughs> That's Whew. not true because I'm listening because it's making me like it's triggering. I know you're listening. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. So anyway, that th- this book is a powerful story about uh, you know people who have dreams and how some people get steered into a specific path in life that clearly takes them away from the path of their dream and their dream their ability to dream slowly fades away and withers and dies because you're living someone else's dream exactly so that's in s and the story is about how this boy became a traveler and and how he lived his dream and how how he thought his dream might be it it wasn't until you get further into the pursuit of that dream when the dream expands and grows in different ways than you expected and maybe what you thought you wanted isn't really what you wanted but you needed to want that to move in a certain direction to find out with more clarity about what you really do want. That's the whole analogy with the islands. Like you can't see what's beyond the island until you get to the one and see what's to choose a different path. I'm not telling it correctly, 
But do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So like, what Stephanie's talking about is if you happen to live on this in this island village, and you're on the beach, and there's you, you've got land over to your right and land over to your left. All you can see is the ocean in front of you. And maybe you see that way off in the distance, there's another island. And you're like, oh my gosh, if I had a boat, I would so love to live on that island. That island would be the most coolest thing because this island here is totally boring. So maybe you save all your money and you, you, you get all the materials, you build yourself a boat and you begin to sail for that island. And as you leave the beach and you come out of the bay area and you get beyond the landmass that was to your right and to the left, now all of a sudden you see even more of the ocean and as you get closer to the island that you had in your sights, which was the only thing, all of a sudden you see it's like, whoa, it, through my telescope, I can see that there are hundreds of islands out there. And, 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 and as you're looking, you see things that are there that are better than the island that you had set your sight on. And but so you now- would have never found them had you not first set your sight on the first island and and actually moved and had it. the courage to leave the one that you were on exactly it's exactly that metaphor yeah okay so that's the alchemist and i want to say that the audiobook is only four hours in length so and that's that's so that's the narrator and it's gener- a car ride to bowling green <laughs> it, that is exactly right you could literally you and i could listen to this book between our home in bowling green kentucky and we'd still have well that with bathroom breaks in between yeah, yeah it takes me a bit <laughs> so jeremy irons yes. does the narration who did the voice of scar, scar in blind king which is my favorite and made a Disney movie, in case anybody wanted to know. And if you wanted to listen to the book in 2X, obviously you could listen to this book in two hours. Or if you read it, you would probably read it faster than a narrator would read it. So me personally, because I took time to stop and highlight things, I it took me about six hours total to read this whole book. But I came away with 101 highlights. Dalmatians. <laughs> <laughs> So can I read you some of these quote, these highlights? Yeah. All right. Uh, here's one of my favorite quotes, and this is said so many times in this book. When you want something, the whole universe conspires to help you. What comes up for you when you hear that? Do you believe that statement? When you want something, the whole world conspires to help you. Hmm. I don't know what comes up, but I don't not believe that statement. I think that if you want something, if you want something bad enough, you won't stop until you get it. And so then, yes, the whole universe conspires. What does it say? Conspire? Conspires to help you. To help you. Yes. Yeah. So I, I always had, now, before reading this book, I had come across other materials that make this same suggestion. Uh, there, For example, there's this thing called pronoia. Have you heard me talk about pronoia? Mm-hmm. Pronoia is the opposite of paranoia. So pronoia is a psychological term that was made up. But uh, paranoia is this belief or feeling that life is out to get you like hey you know it's just one bad thing after another after another and i'm just what you know matter of fact i have a you and i have a mutual friend i'm not gonna mention a name 
But every time things start going well for him, if things, if one thing after another thing after another thing, if too many consecutive things go right in a row, he begins to say, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to get worried because it's been a long time before, since something bad has happened to me and I'm just waiting for the next shoe to drop. Well, if you're always waiting for the next shoe to drop, the next shoe's going to drop. Yes. But that's paranoia. That 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 is a mild case to paranoia, right? And we, I think, we all understand the word paranoia and to know how extreme paranoia can be. All right, but pronoia means that um, life is happening for me, not to me, or not uh, against me, or whatever. Life is, is pro, paranoia is life is against me. Pronoia, life is for me. Life is doing everything possible to supply me with what I need and what I desire. That's pronoia. It's, it's, so it's completely the opposite. It's like I, I, whatever I think and and whatever is my understanding, my model of how I see the world. If that's what I choose to experience as my model of the world. I'm go the the universe will do what it can to give me more of what I've chosen because we are creators even. Um so yeah, anyway, it, 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 when you want something and 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 the essence is if if you want something and you're committed to what you want and you believe you must have it. It's not just that you will work hard enough, but those things will begin to f- to be, and this is called the law of attraction, will be start being attracted to you. They'll be magnetically pulled. Um, synchronicities, the people you need to meet, to connect you to the people you need to know, to get closer to that thing, all of a sudden these things will just begin working for you. Anyway, so when you want something, the whole universe conspires to help you. It's a very metaphysical statement. Um, and it's one that I completely believe today. Mm-hmm. So you said you really hadn't thought about that statement, but you said you don't not agree with it. Yeah, that like it, it's it's not something that I sit around thinking about. But in its basic, in its absolute basic form, if I'm upstairs and I'm sitting on the couch and I decide I'm craving an ice cream and I really want an ice cream and the only thing that I can think about is an ice cream, well, I'm going to make that happen. Yeah. And because it, and the, oh, go ahead. the universe has conspired to help you because um, 35 years ago, this person created felt the dream and desire to create a dairy uh, business where they created ice cream Hello. and they sell it down there. There's a, seven minutes from my house. <laughs> yeah, so there's so there's all these people who are How in old the, is per- the Dairy Queen. I don't know, but there are there. But you've got all the different variations of ice cream that are if made I by want- all of the different people in Kroger at Dairy Queen at UDF. Mm-hmm. If I want expensive local ice cream, I'll go to Graders. That's been around for like a hundred years, hasn't yeah. it? Like, yeah. But, and, so and I, I mean, I, like there, there are. I mean, and that's in its most basic form. Like that, that's just that's just the most. And and some people I could see who are contrarian. It's like, no, I don't believe this. What if you're in the middle of the desert and you want an ice cream? Eh, I wouldn't. Put, uh, I, I hey, I'm just saying. Stranger things have happened. Ex- that's exactly right. Stranger things have happened. Yes. Um, so yeah, 
I mean, it, it's not something that I, I sit around thinking about, but, but in a sense that it is because I have had a desire to pay for our daughter's wedding since she was a little girl. Yep. There have been many times in the course of her life that I've been like, I should start saving. I'm going to start saving, but it was never the right time or we were saving for something else and all of these different things. And now she's in a committed relationship. They are talking about getting married, meaning that like to fulfill that desire and that dream and that want that I have, well, that money's got to come from somewhere. Yeah. So what did I do? I created a plan to get it. Exactly. And the plan and not only the plan that you have, but all of the necessary components that rely on others. If you truly want this and desire this and you believe that this is what you must have for yourself and what you want to create in this world, the there's all like I know one of the things that you want to do is create free to thrive workshops. I do. That's always been as not not even that. Okay, we can go back to the desire to to help people heal, to free people from the baggage and the garbage that is holding them back from being who they were truly created to be. That is a desire of my heart. To do that, I would like to create workshops and teach content and help them work through that. Yep. And this is something you've wanted before it was a part of the plan to pay for. Long before it was part of the plan. But, but now do you see how it. these things are coming together? I do. And the the fun part about how it goes into when you want something. Like I didn't make a plan to go rob a bank. <laughs> like I'm just I'm just um, marrying my two desires and bringing them together to serve my purpose in life, my calling in life, and my desire to pay for our daughter's wedding. Yeah. Did I say that right? Absolutely. Okay, sometimes they sound right in my head, but they don't come right out in my mouth. And and I think the interesting thing to think about, how will the universe conspire to help you fill these workshops that you want to do over the next year? And I think there are, because you, you want to target women for your workshops mm -hmm. specifically. And so I think there are women today who are just on the verge of saying, okay, enough is enough. I want to break free from the cycle of this. And you have a post-it note that's been sitting in my office. I'm surprised it hasn't accidentally, well, it might. Wait, it did go missing for, for a time, but we found it. Yeah. So. And it came back. Here, here's what we wrote. Cycle of divorce is something that you have, you wanted to create content related about how you had a desire to break the, break the cycle of divorce that was a part of your family's lineage and mine. Um. You wanted to break the cycle of money struggles, which we both had. Uh, break this cycle of codependency. Uh, break the cycle of over-controlled parenting. Break the cycle of the feeling of abandonment. Break the cycle of screaming. Well, that yeah. It, and it's got something crossed out there. What was it? What was crossed um, out? I think it says... 
maybe ang- uh, screaming in anger like anger angry screaming I, I don't know i can't tell but um but that actually can go it could probably go with the what, what is it the over controlled parenting the well just anger issues just anger yeah yeah just anger issues so um but yeah so I believe I believe there are people out there who are like, oh my gosh, I wish there was a a place that I could go to seek this type of healing. And you know, I, I think those people, when you're ready to begin announcing dates and times mm-hmm. for your workshop, I be- I believe there'll be people who are like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I was looking for. Right. I've been praying for this for the last couple of days or the last couple of weeks, and then I or come the across last your of years or the last couple of years, and and I heard you promote this, and I'm signing up. I can't wait to come. So it kind of goes back to I very much believe in if you build it, they will come. Mm-hmm. I absolutely do. I loved that movie, by the way, when I was growing up. Yeah. <laughs> um. And, and and so I when 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 dates are ready to be announced and and things are actually moving, I'm working on the content right now. Um, the right the right ears will hear it, and or the right hearts will hear it. And my two desires will merge into one. Yep. So here's another quote from this book. It says he owned a jacket, a book that he could trade for another and a flock of sheep. But most important, he was able every day to live out his dream. So this is a boy who says, listen, I." the, the dad's like, listen, I, I, I don't see how you're going to travel. I mean, the, the, unless you were a shepherd. And he's like, I'll be a shepherd then. <laughs> and so he didn't have much. He All he had to his name, he owned a jacket. He owned one book. And he, in when he went from one town to it, he would actually go to the bookstore and he would trade it for another, pay a little extra for the for the difference between that and the new book. And he had a flock of sheep that helped him basically pay for his his whatever living expenses that he had. Mm-hmm. But he got he got to travel and in every day he was There's, living out his dream. In the book that I'm currently reading, uh, one of the supporting characters is currently um he's living out of a van but what it is is basically he's converted a van into being his mobile home what he what he actually does is um these what's the word um extreme um dives and jumps and like he's an extreme um sport wouldn't be the the word but Anyway, yeah, um, it's extreme sports. Is it extreme sports? Yeah. Okay. Um, extreme adventures. Mm-hmm. I, I think it might be one of the ways that they said it. But um, one of his brothers was giving him a hard time about like not having any money. He's like, dude, I live in a van. I have next to zero expenses and I have sponsors for these extreme things that I'm doing. I don't have any money problems. <laughs> yeah. And, and so it, it's, my, my he's, co- he's living his dream every day and and doing what he wants to do yeah just because with what he needs he doesn't have to live exuberantly just because what he chooses to do yeah, creates the money to do that if he, he wants to live in a 60 foot square 60 square foot home right what I, just because he doesn't want your 5000 or 4000 right. or 3000 or 2000 square foot or 12000 square foot 
Oh, that, that, that those things. What's right for one person is not right for another. Yeah, it, and it, let each person have their own dream. So I love that he he, you know, he set out. He was doing his own thing and and making it work, and he lived his dream every day. I really like that. Yeah. Um. Let's see here. It's uh, here's another quote. It's the possibility of having a dream come true that makes life interesting. Hmm. I like that. I know you're getting this a little bit out of context because you don't don't have the paragraph right. before and after right. or whatever. But but yeah, it's the possibility. So what I love about this is it's not dreams coming true that makes life interesting. It's what the re- possibility. It's of the it. possibility. It, it, it's the potential of what's possible. It's the, it's what I can create. It's what I can make real. It's what I can achieve. It's the possibility of that and having a dream. And 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 what I've found in a lot of coaching conversations that I've had are the number of people who it's like, man, I, I just have this one dream. And if I could just make this dream a reality then I would finally have peace. I would finally have happiness. I would finally have joy. And that's just not been my experience. It's, it, I mean, you, don't get me wrong. There is a little bit of happiness and there is a little bit of joy and there is a little bit of contentment for a small period of time relatively when you do achieve a big dream or even a small one. Um, but once you get onto the other side of it, you're like, Okay, now what? And because that's the other coaching conversations I have. I just achieved this. I just achieved now that. What? Now what? I'm bored. I'm like, well, that ah, I understand. I understand that in a way because I have just achieved a dream or very close to achieving a dream. In that, um, we we have one child left at home. Obviously, Matthew is home for the summer, but, um. We have one minor child. She will only be a minor for less than a year. And it was my dream to be here, to be home, to be available to them when they needed me. And I'm still all of those things for the next year. But now I'm starting my I'm starting my next dream. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's it it for life to continue to it's just not, because it's not my like, kids are gone doesn't mean I just stop. That's and, well, some people do. I know. That's it. It's like wow, my entire life has been my entire identity. I believed my entire purpose was this, and now my kids are grown. They're out of the house. Uh, for some reason, they don't want to talk to me every single day. You know, they don't call. They don't call me. They don't visit me all the time. You know, and it's like now what? Right. And and and, and there's a lot of people out there that kind of just suffer without any new dream. And right. they're and and I hear it. They they sometimes will post on Facebook. I'm very lonely. So I have a, a funny story just because we're talking about kids and, and growing up to be adults and all this. So um, we have we have a local um, bar and grill pub that we like to go to. And Matthew, home for the summer from college, just um, got a job working in their kitchen. Okay. Last night, I go to this place with my sister and... Um, it's trivia night and which is a big which is a big thing there 
anyway, come in the door. There's a wait for a table. And um, we're talking about. So anyway, I did go off meat only last night because Samantha and I went and had a cookie and two drinks. So um, that's my confession. For <laughs> Just to let you know that did happen. Um, so we walk in the door and um, the owner, Erica, comes over and she says, um, are you here for trivia? And we're like, no, actually, we just came in for the big old cookie. And um, she's like, oh, you like the cookie? You should try. And I said, your new dessert, the, and I named whatever their new dessert is. And she's like, how do you know about the cookie and the crumble, like, already? And I said, my son works in the kitchen. I got, like, insider information now. And we just, we were having this joking time. And um, anyway, so it was wait for our table. We get a table. We sit down. We actually decide to stay for trivia. So we were there for two, two hours because we played trivia. And we've paid our bill we're getting ready to get up and leave and erica comes over and she's like he's okay that was her that's her first sentence he's okay but matthew cut his finger pretty bad he's in the office do you want to come and and see it and so i'm like okay but i'm thinking on the way back there i'm like he's 20 years old what am i going to do other than pay the bill <laughs> like, <laughs> he he needs to if i did my job right he can make a decision on his own now he's a 20 year old man let's just say i didn't really do he's not there yet (laughs) (laughs) and um i haven't done a bad job he's just not there yet and so i looked at it i wrapped it we brought him home i decided i ain't paying that bill for two stitches i don't think it needs stitches and by the time it got home it had already started to close and stopped bleeding, so it does not need stitches. But um, but it is a pretty ugly cut. But I love that that he's twenty years old. He'll be twenty one by the end of the summer. And she comes over. He's okay, but <laughs> Matthew cut his finger, and it was just it, it was one of those moments where it's funny. I'm like, he's an adult. Had yeah. I not been sitting here, you know, if she didn't know that I was in here having you know dessert and a drink, um they would have wrapped his you know he would have had to wrap his finger and send him home they had to do an incident report like it was bleeding that much but because she knew i was there she came and got me and anyway yeah just one of those funny funny things about them growing up do they really ever grow up we don't know Mm. i think they do i do too all right i want to share with you one other quote from this book and we'll uh, and i'll stop quoting the book but um Here's the thing. The boy knew a lot of people in the city. So this is a city where he visited. Uh, That was what made traveling appeal to him. He always made new friends and he he didn't need to spend all of his time with them. When someone sees the same people every day, as had happened with him at the seminary, they wind up becoming a part of that person's life. And when, and then they want the person to change. And if someone isn't what others want them to be, the others become angry. Can you flip that around so I can read it myself really yes. quick? Yeah. Will you read it out loud? I will. All right. Which one is it? It's the... Okay. The boy knew a lot of people in the city. That was what made traveling appeal to him. He was all, he always made new friends and he didn't need to spend all of his time with them. When someone sees the same people every day, as had happened with him in the, at the seminary, they wind up becoming a part of that person's life. 
and then they want the person to change. If someone isn't what others want them to be, the others become angry. You got it? I got it. That's a profound statement. It is a profound statement. It's a profound statement that I agree with. Yeah. Um, I've I've seen a lot and I'm still seeing a lot, even not with me because I don't give people the power of influence to be angry or, or to let their anger change me. Um, I decide internally what needs to be changed based on what's going on externally. Yeah. Um, did that make sense? Like that? Yeah, it makes sense to me. Okay. Um, but I, I'm still seeing this a lot in, in my family, in my kids, friends, in, you know, in circles that, um, if someone isn't what others want them to be, the others become angry. Yeah, so I'll, can I give you a perfect example I love of this. this? Go ahead. So I'm a, I'm a, I was invited many years ago to be a, a a member of a Facebook group called the Christian Podcasters Association. All right, because uh, you know I I still even because you fit into the. <laughs> Go ahead. I, well, I, I'm just saying. I even today I consider myself to be a Christian, but. And but I don't can I, with the with the way that I have changed my views on a very large number of situ of of beliefs. I would no longer fit within the designation of Christian in the minds of others. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, I would be considered a, a heretic and an apostate. Two words, you can go look them up, and they adequately describe me perfectly. I am a heretic, and I am an apostate, but yet I still consider under myself... Under the definition of them. Uh, under the definition of those two things. Um, but what I will tell you is that I still am a follower of Christ, I, I, I just as much now as I ever have been. I would say my relationship is even more full than it has ever been and, 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 and more impactful and more in alignment with Jesus's teachings than ever experienced before, even in my most quote-unquote self-righteous times and seasons of my life. So, but the reason why I bring this up is because I was, I, I th- this recent massive shift of a number of my beliefs around around God um, started happening right around the fall of 2020. And this is the same time Clubhouse started, right? But I was a part of this Facebook group for a very long time. And I had been a guest on many podcasts from other members in the group. It's like, you know what I love about you, Cliff, is I love how you have this incredibly powerful business, you're incredibly profitable, Profitable. you have high-priced products and services and stuff like this, but you're still just this model-perfect Christian. Sorry, that was And that's kind of like, like listen, uh, model-perfect, I don't know that such a thing exists. I don't think it does. But, um, but sure, okay, thank you. But the thing was it's like I'd love to have you as a guest on my podcast. And and at the time my beliefs were 
fairly closely aligned as as closely as aligned as you can be in the under the orthodox mainline protestant agreed upon main doctrine and dogma right um so you know given that maybe not everything's you know in in full alignment with our beliefs but at least there's some key elements of the doctrinal creed that we agree on you agree on that yeah okay you, that's why i like you because you're this you know and and, and when I, you change. I was i was a guest on so many different podcasts all the time i was like cliff, cliff come on and share your business journey and how you do ministry through the through the secular work that you do and and i was always honored to come on and i encourage and and inspire people and then all of a sudden, I, I won't say her name, but this one woman invited me to be a guest on, on her show, and then she was in a clubhouse room, and she says, uh, she wrote me an email, and she says, hey, I just was, I, I was sitting there listening to you speak to somebody in clubhouse, and I heard some of the things that you said. And I may have misunderstood where your beliefs are, but it doesn't seem to be that your beliefs are in alignment with mine. And so because of that, I'm not going to have you as a guest on my show next week. And in essence, I, it's, so here, hold on. Um, if someone isn't what they want you to be, they now become angry is the thing, but they're they're upset by the fact that you're not living in alignment. They they're 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 not as accepting of you. So basically, it it the, your relationship with them can become incredibly conditional. Mm-hmm. It's very rare to find unconditional relationships. Unfortunately so. It's very, very rare. And I am actually going to take what you said and add, I have never considered myself a Christian. (laughs) I am wholeheartedly a Christ follower. Yep. And you cannot convince my heart that the two are one and the same. That's fair. And I think that from the way that I say that I still consider myself to be a Christian is because I have my own definition of what it means to be a Christian. And one of the issues is that, you know, what is a Christian? You ask 100 people and 100 people probably give give you 100 different 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 answers. answers. Right. Yeah. So... But but I totally agree with you. I for me, I still do carry the moniker of of I, a Christian being one who follows Christ, who believes wh- who Jesus was, who He said He was, and and the thing is, is I just have a different belief today about what Jesus said about who He was. <laughs> right, <laughs> a vastly different belief, and and one that that again throws me into the category of heretic and apostate. Which I'm cool with, um, but I will tell you that the the struggle uh, that that I have been processing is the reality of how many clients that I have that are very devout to the doctrine and dogma that I've broken from, and they whole and, and and of course they became clients under the season of my life when, when my m- when my beliefs um had matched them and 
I during this what how, what how long has it been since 2020 December or October It's been almost 2 years. So is it 21 20, yeah so it's almost 2 years. Like I said we lost 2 years. <laughs> okay. So so it's been almost 2 years since this journey has been taking place and I've been relatively quiet about my current beliefs today. And partly because of a concern about how it would financially impact our family. And uh, it's only just recently that I've begun to publicly share more and more of this. And ironically, right after I shared one of the more radical things, <laughs> the next day I get two clients that right. dropped off, right? which basically dropped us $2,000 a month of revenue. So that $24,000 went bye-bye the very next day. Now, only one of those two do I suspect of being related to me speaking what I spoke. And 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 that that's fine. I you helped them for the season that, yeah, that they were that they were um in in the group. I forgot what I was going to say. I don't know. Me neither. All right, what's next? Anyway, no, I, well, we're at 57 minutes. I think oh, are we, can, we really? Yeah, we can, wow. we can get begin to wrap up here. But the book it's is like, called... It's like last night um, after Matthew and I got home from from the whole finger thing, because um, we left at the same time. Uh, he's like, hey, mom, you want to watch something? And the thing about being at the end of Raising Adults... You know, they are adults and they're not going to be in your house for very much longer. Um, when they say, hey, mom, do you want to do something? The answer is yes. <laughs> it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Do, do you want to stand on your head and I'll throw eggs at you? Yes. Like, probably not. But you know what I mean. So when he says, do you want to watch something? Um, I was like, yes. Yes. So I was like, all right, well, what do you want to watch? I'll know. <laughs> Typical answer. And I picked up three movies, and he picked from the three of them. And at 10 o'clock at night, we ended up starting a two-hour and 11-minute movie. All right. But that movie, we watched White House Down with Channing Tatum and Jamie Foxx, um, one of Matthew's favorites. Do you know how fast that movie goes? Pretty fast. And now we've seen it so many times, I swear we were sitting there for 20 minutes. <laughs> That's hilarious. Anyway, so hey, uh, this is kind of that same feeling. Yep. That's where I was going. So to wrap things up here, I just want to say the book, The Alchemist, is an incredible read. Highly recommend. You could read it in a day, easily. Uh, certainly in a weekend. So I, I, I think you should uh, consider it if you are in, at least minimally intrigued by just the few quotes that are there. Uh, it may challenge your worldview, though. <laughs> just know that. Uh, the other thing I want to say is uh, Stephanie, again, opened up today with a little bit of an addition to what she shared in episode nine. If you haven't listened to episode nine, I encourage you to go back and listen to episode nine. It's Stephanie's mountain type top experience. It's where her life radically w was transformed, and it's very much focused on the healing that happened in Colorado and in her life since coming back from Colorado. Uh, and of course, uh, Stephanie is very much, we talked about this because I kind of threw it in at the last minute. Stephanie is very interested in making herself available for coaching. So if you have 
listen to episode nine and this episode or any of the content that Stephanie and I have produced over the years and you'd like to talk to Stephanie or myself, either one of us are available for one-on-one coaching, feel free to reach out to us. We also, uh, the best way is to email me, cliff at cliffravenscraft.com. And if you if you want to uh, get in touch with Stephanie about one-on-one coaching, that's the best way to do it. I will let her know and put you in touch with Stephanie. Um, so, and of course, if you want to coach with me, then uh, email me, cliff at cliffravenscraft.com. The other thing Stephanie and I have, if you are involved in a marriage or a relationship and one of you or both of you have a business and it seems like the business is pretty much taking over your marriage or your relationship. We have a mastermind group that meets every Wednesday for entrepreneurial couples. The interesting thing about this group is we don't talk a ton about business. In fact, we focus more on the life, building a life and business together. And again, it's not that you're both operating in the business, just one of you has the business, but it's impacting the overall relationship. And the idea is to build the life and then create a business that supports it. Now, if you wanna talk business and there's an opportunity for hot seats and stuff like that, and we can help you troubleshoot and give ideas and feedback and encouragement and all the things you wanna do in your business, but uh, if you would like to be in a mastermind group as a couple with other entrepreneurial couples we meet every week, again, email me, cliff at cliffravenscraft.com. And then the final thing that I'm just going to put out there, we don't have the exact dates yet, but we are looking at Stephanie launching these free to thrive workshops. These will be weekend workshops, probably two full days here in our hometown of Northern Kentucky. And if you, and and they're going to be limited, I think you said about 10 people per session. 10 people per session. So if you would like to be put on a waiting list for this, guess where, how you reach out. (laughs) (laughs) Email me, cliff at cliffravenscraft.com. Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much. We'll be back probably next week with more episodes we don't have plans to take the next week off so uh anyway until next time stephanie and i encourage you to live your life on purpose